0: And I've just created a free guide to help you understand your unique human design blueprint. It's called the Human Design Advantage, and you can get your copy over at Global forward slash advantage.
1: But what if you have the choice of, okay, I've solved problems for these six months. I'm taking a break for six months now. I'm going to let my mind and body rest and then I'll come back fresh to solve problems again. That's the power of being able to build a business that that doesn't require you because then you can do the bit for fun, but you can do the breaks without everything breaking.
0: Each week, I interview successful entrepreneurs and deep dive to discover the exact strategies that they've used to build their business so that you can experiment and implement these strategies in your business too. Welcome to the Thought Leaders Business Lab. Welcome to the Thought Leaders Business Lab, Carl. It's awesome to have you joining me here today.
1: It is a pleasure to be here. How are you doing, Sam?
0: I'm doing so well, and I'm so excited that you're here. You are a very special person in my life, one of only six people that joined us on a glacier in Alaska um, to be there when I married Leon. So we've got a a lot of water under the bridge. We've been friends for a long time now, so it'll be interesting to see where this conversation goes
1: absolutely and not just water we got ice under the bridge too right <laughs> yeah,
0: absolutely how good was that day p.s that was oh, such amazing. a good day yeah if for anyone that hasn't been to alaska you got to go there you have to do that <laughs>
1: yes and drink the water from the glacier it's uh, oh, icy cold but super fresh
0: it's super good super good so for those people that aren't as lucky as me and who don't know who you are can you just share a little bit about uh who you are what you do right now
1: cool well, right now, that's a really good distinction there. As uh, I've had uh, many lives in the entrepreneurial world, as many would say. I started my first business when I was 15. Uh, at the time, right now, I'm 34. I think I'm 34. I think it gets <laughs> to
0: 30 and you just think, oh, what, what am I? <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, okay, I'm, I'm sure, past that.
1: Pretty sure I'm 34 now. <laughs> um, and uh, in that time, I've had multiple businesses. I had an IT company, I had a gift basket business. Uh, I've written books, and I've been a coach. And what I mainly focus on now is I've got a couple of core uh, businesses around the focus of helping people get more freedom in their business and their life. So Automation Agency is is one of my core businesses, which is a done-for-you marketing agency that helps you implement all the smart digital marketing stuff. And then I've got some books and uh, a little bit of courses and things around helping people remove themselves in their business.
0: I mm, love it. I'm all about freedom in business I mean that's why I think and and this is really interesting because I think that most of us go into business to have more freedom right Mm. and then all of a sudden one day we wake up and think why am I working three times more in my business than I was in a job but this is not what I signed up for and I think that it's what you have done in your business is so amazing. And you've got so much to teach people. But before we go there, let's go back to what led you to where you are now. Because I think that there's always a story there that's to be shared. Like how did you get to automation agency? And the reason I ask this because when you and I met, we'd both just sold businesses Mm. and we were both going through something that I think unless you've sold a business, you don't, it's a bit hard to actually put into words, but we were lost.
1: We were lost. We were trying to figure out who we were, reinvent ourselves, go like, what is the meaning of life now without my business? I think. Yeah.
0: Because we are, we kind of think our businesses are us. And then all of a sudden Mm. that's gone. And then it's like, oh my God, what, what is this? (laughs) So what took you from that point to where you started Automation Agency?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. So, so absolutely. I I I had an IT company for eight years. Uh, that was kind of my big main flagship. I'd had a few other businesses before that that I'd sold, but the big flagship was this eight-year business with my father doing IT support, and I'd been a techie, computer geek personality hat on my whole life sold that business because I'd I'd written a book, my first book, Red Means Go, a little bit before that. And I decided I didn't want to be this tech geeky kid anymore. I wanted to be taken as a serious business person. I was my ego and caring that, you know, what people thought was a pie back then. So that was not the defining moment. It was one of the key decision makers for selling the IT company. And so I sold that and I was like, okay, well now I want to be this kind of business guru. And here I was at 24 wanting to be this business and life guru, right? And I was a bit lost because it was like, okay, well, I, I want to get out there and speak and I want to present, and I want to share, and I've written this book. And so I started getting speaking opportunities, but it was like, well, who am I? And for a while I had like, I, I had a business card and I was going to be the get shit done guy. And I was going to like help people <laughs> just, get, you know, get things done, work smarter, not harder. Uh, And then I created a course called inbox domination, which was helping people to, um, you know, basically not spend so much time in their email inbox. Um, So it was all about kind of getting to inbox zero. Whereas over the last 10 years or so, I I don't even do inbox zero anymore. I just do zero inbox. I just don't (laughs) go into my inbox. Uh
2: Um,
1: uh, But like, I basically went through these continual, just like, try this, try that, try this. And that really delved me quite deep, I guess, into the online marketing space, the the world of uh, info products where you're kind of selling courses online, you know, looking at coaching. I, I was you know, teaching coaching for a while. I then eventually, I eventually did something that I'd always wanted to do. I remember I went to a Tony Robbins event. Uh, this was the Unleash the Power Within one. I don't remember what year this was, maybe 2012. Mm-hmm. Um, and... I went to to Unleash the Power Within and it was in that event that I finally got the courage and went, you know what? I'm going to do this. Even though I was like, oh, do I really have enough credibility? I had that. I I don't know if you can relate to this, Sam, but like you you have those moments where you're like, you feel like a fake or a fraud. You're Mm -hmm. like, oh, I've got this idea. I want to do this, but I just don't know whether people are going to think I've got the credibility to do this. Mm
2: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: And so- I decided I'm going to do it. And I launched Business Builds Academy and I was teaching people about buying and selling businesses. Cause that's what I was passionate about. I was like, I've sold this business. I'd bought some other businesses and sold that. I want to now go out and teach other people to look at business as a product. Most people look at business as this identity, this thing that who I am. And I was like, no, I want to show people that you can look at business as a product that can be bought, can be sold, can have value added to it. And ultimately, it's a very different way of viewing business. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to kind of build this community. And my bigger vision was to have like a, a school of entrepreneurs, if you like, doing an apprenticeship. they would come and do my course, get the apprenticeship to learn how to buy, build and sell businesses. So I started that and I was doing uh, courses and teaching people. And that was so-so. I was doing okay financially from that, but not amazing. Mm-hmm. And then eventually I was not doing well. Eventually it was like, nope, there's five grand left in the bank, Carl. You've basically spent all the money from the sale of your business. You've tried to get this business to work. And now it's like, oh, there's $5,000 left in the bank. I've got a team member that I'm paying, which in a couple of months, that five grand's gone, let alone me earning anything. Mm. And I was in this community of coaches and... In that community, I was in two communities. I was in a community of coaches and I was also like a mentor in another community of business owners in Australia, which is where we first met. Mm -hmm. And in both those communities, I was surrounded by people who were coming to me looking for advice, not on buying businesses. They didn't care about that. I was already seen by many people, I think yourself included, as a bit of a guru in marketing automation in the tech side of the marketing stuff, how was I filling my webinars? How was I filling my seminars? How was I automating it so when someone did this, this email went on? And if someone visited this web page on my website, they got sent this email like all that smart techie funnel mm-hmm. automations. And so eventually I was like, you know what? I'm going to quit coaching and I'm going to start an agency. And so I did, I quit coaching. I started automation agency because like, it just hit me all of a sudden. I was like, that's, that's the thing that I'm a genius at. I'd finally got over the fact that I didn't want to be seen as a tech geek. And I was able to go, you know what? The tech skills I have is an asset. It's what naturally clearly shines out of me around people. And so that's how my automation agency kind of ended up starting. And then originally though, it was a big full service agency. I'd built myself a job. Mm -hmm. And I very quickly started to realize I'd built myself a job. And I was like, what am I doing? I've just (laughs) spent the last like year and a half teaching people about building businesses that are saleable. I could never sell this business the way I'm building it right now. Something's got to change. And then the model rolled out that I now have today, uh, which is an unlimited monthly subscription service. So that's
0: We will go into that in a sec, but I want to go back to you talking about trying things. You said Mm. that it was all just about trying things. And the reason I want to talk about this is for two reasons. One, there's a lot of people from the coaching perspective that say just, you know, choose a niche and stick to it and don't change course. And then there's also probably a lot of people that are listening that have been on a journey like you, that have been on a journey like me, because I've had exactly the same journey that are beating themselves up because they can't figure out what that one thing is or haven't yet figured out what that one thing is from your, you know, from your experience, what can you share with those people right now?
1: So the first thing I would say is if you are in that situation right now and you're trying lots of things and you're kind of waiting to see what sticks, like uh, you may have, you've heard of this analogy before, but sometimes I think of it like you go and get a whole bunch of like bits of wet sand or food or whatever you want. and You're just throwing it all at the wall and you're waiting to see what's going to stick and not just slide down the wall. And what I would say to you is keep doing it. Only caution I would give to it is there is a balance between trying lots of things to see what sticks and only ever dipping your toe in the water and never actually properly trying.
0: So glad you went there. I know you, and that's why I asked that question because I knew you were going to go there. And I think it's so important.
1: Yeah, because it can be easy to go, oh, okay, I'm just going to try lots of things that you never truly try something like you, you try 10 things at once at the same time. Like I wouldn't recommend doing that. Like I was only, I tried to be the get shit done guy for a while that didn't get traction. I pivoted, tweaked and that eventually morphed into, okay, inbox domination stuff. Then that kind of peaked and twi- um, you know pivoted as well. And then eventually I was like, I'm going to do the buying, building and selling businesses stuff. And originally I was trying to do the buy, build, sell. Then I found that that didn't sell as well. So then I did the, how to buy a business, Entry level program, and then then from there, I had the upsell to the buy build sell. Um, over time, you know that led okay. I need to build more credibility in this, so I went and got my business broker's license. Even though I'd already you know bought and sold businesses, it's like people, you know, saw more. Tr- I was a 25 year old, I think, at this time, like mm-hmm. 25 year old kid that. It was easier to kind of go. I needed. I. It might have been. It was all in my head. But I, I. followed the path of going. Okay. I need more things. It mm-hmm. was. It wasn't that I woke up one day and said, "I'm going to try and be all these things all at once."
2: Mm-hmm. I tried mm-hmm.
1: one thing. I saw whether it worked. If it didn't seem to be working, I moved on. I pivoted. I tried something else. Um, I would also say though that if you want to save some time, my experience shows that really. Asking yourself that question: What are you already great at that you're just mm. not seeing? One of the bits I left out, I guess, in the story of automation agency coming about was I was at a course uh, by a mutual friend of ours, Taki Moore, and in, I remember this one particular event, and it was talking about niche building your niche, and he he kind of set this challenge. He said, "I want what I want you to do is call three people, mm-hmm. call three people." and ask them when you think of me what comes to mind like what what real estate in these three people's mind do you own and i called three people and each of those three people there were two things that came up consistently i'm a good presenter they think of me as great mm-hmm. speaker presenter and they think of me as tech mm-hmm. and then the third thing so there's usually three things that they all shared and the third thing seemed to vary between all of them but the two that consistently came up was tech and speaking mm-hmm. and so it it really helped drive home to hear other people tell me what genius of mind they already see what real estate in their mind is Carl is the expert in this. Mm. Once you get clear of what other people see your expertise or skill set or value is, that can then be a really good source to find then a business model that can attach or leverage those skills like. Speaking, I could go and do more speaking, which I have been in recent times, but I also could have gone, okay, well, I'm a great speaker. I just need a business model selling a product that I can sell from stage. It didn't necessarily mean that I had to be a speaker. I could just find a product or business that's best sold from stage linking the tech side, I could have gone, Hey, I could have a tech business I can sell from stage. And that's what I thought of. I thought automation agency would be great. I'll generate leads by going and speaking on stage about marketing automation and that will generate my clients. Now I ended up not choosing to do that for, for not building a business that relied too much on me, but those were the, the thought processes. So I guess to, to summarize my answer to your question is one, don't feel bad about trying lots of things, but make mm-hmm. sure, check in with yourself. Have you actually tried
2: Are you just saying
1: I've tried or have you actually tried to make Mm -hmm, this business model mm -hmm. or idea work? Then secondly, if you want to shortcut the process of finding a niche, ask five, I did three, but ask three to five people around you, hey, when you think of me, what do you think of? What, what comes to mind? Like how, what's the genius or expertise you think that I have? Mm. And I'm sure that there'll be some trends like there was for me that will then help you narrow down that maybe there's a certain area that you can add value and build a business model
0: around. Absolutely. And I love the way you unpack that conversation or that question because I think that that when people try things, you know, like you and I have, that there's a lot of people that are doing that, it's almost like a self-sabotage. It's like almost when something's kind of starting to work, it's like, oh, I'm feeling a bit bored now, so I'll just turn here and and follow this other bright, shiny object. But at at the same time, I also feel that people really don't go all in. Mm. You know, they'll try one webinar and go, it doesn't work. Or one set of Facebook ads, or one lead magnet, you'd be like, "Are you serious?" Like you, you can't get your data from not going all in. And I love that, even though you were trying things, you did go all in on each of those, each of those things that you were doing. And I'm so glad that automation agency is where you landed because I don't know what I would do without your team. I think I've been with you right from day one. I remember yeah, the day. I'm pretty
1: sure. You, you rang me and you went, I've got this idea.
0: Clients? Yeah. You, I, we did it over the phone. Cause he said, I've got this idea. What do you think? And I went, yeah, I'm in. <laughs> and I've been with you ever since your team is amazing and takes so much weight off my shoulders. Love them. So you. you talked about starting automation agency and it very much heavily re- relying on you and mm. you are so much about freedom. What were the shifts that you had to make mentally? And also, what were the shifts that you had to make in your business once you'd realized, oh, this is not where I want to be to be able to make that change?
1: Mm. So, the shifts mentally weren't massive shifts for me at that stage because I'd made the mental shifts like 2007. I, it was the first time that I had a business coach Cold called me. I still had the IT company. Cold called me, invited us to a breakfast. My father and I. I didn't go to the breakfast. He did. He came back and said, "I've signed us up for this thing called group coaching." And it was during that group coaching program that I had my shifts created of my definition of a business. Mm -hmm. And so this is uh, attributed to Brad Sugars, who runs a company called Action Coach. And Brad Sugars, or the Action definition of a business, is a commercial profitable enterprise that works without you. And there's a whole bunch of layers that I've taken from that. Like, I don't know how they teach it these days. I don't know if they even express that, but that had a powerful shift to my thought process. So the thought process that I had to buy into to really think about this was the understanding that a business is only a business if it can commercially, you know, in pursuit of profit, deliver a result to the client, right? So it's a a commercial profitable enterprise that works, meaning it delivers the result the client wants and it produces you a profit. That's great. A lot of people pursue that. And then with the extra bit, without you, without me. Mm. And when I really could take on that concept, and it was a real struggle to to remove myself from, from my IT company. That was something that never really felt overly within grasp to remove myself to the point that I have with automation agency. So the shift had happened years before. When automation NC came around, when I, I was in hustle mode, I was, I need money. I had five grand left in the bank. I need to make money. So I was just doing what I would do if I was to start again from scratch, selling time for money. I was swapping time for money. I was selling projects. I was bringing my expertise to the table. That was good. It was bringing in some cash flow, but I then ultimately saw that this had a problem. It was not going to scale. It was not going to build and deliver the freedom, the lifestyle that I'd gotten into business in the first place for. So, that was when I went, okay, I just need to make the decision that I'm prepared to transition. Like it wasn't a, I stopped taking on project clients overnight and started trying to sell a monthly subscription. That just wasn't viable. I didn't have hundreds of people ready to sign up to my subscription to replace my income. Mm -hmm. So there was a transition of, I'm still selling projects, but I wasn't pushing that as much while I was building the more subscription-based business that didn't have Carl in the picture. I was not involved in the sales process. I was not involved in the delivery. That was the biggest thing really. Was, so if, if we're thinking from stages of someone to replicate this, I truly believe that as a business owner, the very first place to look to remove yourself is in the delivery of what you do. Mm-hmm. Whatever that business is, however it is you deliver that, whether it be a product, whether it be a service, that's the first part. How do you remove you from the delivery? Because once you're out of the delivery, you can focus on sales, you can focus on marketing, you can focus on those things that you're going to always be the best person to do that, right? If you're part of the do of the delivery, you will always, always have a capacity problem of how much you can sell mm. because you have only ever going to have a certain amount of hours that you have. If, even mm. if it's only a small amount that you're involved in the delivery, until you can completely remove yourself from the delivery, you will always hit a cap of how much time you personally can contribute to that, which will prevent how many clients you can do. Whereas once you're in the marketing and sales part of things, you can just keep working on that, working on that. Eventually, you'll get the income to a point that you could start hiring and building teams in those areas as well. But yeah, absolutely, the, the delivery is that that first part. So the, the decisions in my head was, make the decision I'm going to do it and then ultimately shift the business model. And I was at that time, I was in a surrounded by a lot of people who were all like charge high prices, Mm -hmm. you know, high-end coaching, charge high prices, less clients. Mm -hmm. And I was on a webinar. I was on a webinar and this guy was talking about membership sites and he was talking about how he decided to make it an absolute no brainer price to sign up to his program. Just no brainer, absolute no brainer. And I really liked his thinking. I said, like, you know, right, what if I had just an absolute no-brainer, low-end subscription? And the original plan was, I'll use that to upsell into projects. Mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't think projects were going to disappear. I just thought I was going to upsell into projects, uh-huh. which didn't end up eventuating. But the the thought process there was, what if I could flip my model and go, hey people can access me at a low no-brainer price and then we'll upsell them into something higher. And I ultimately found the simplicity of just having the one subscription really made things easier. And ultimately when I hit volume, I scaled and I've made more money doing that than I ever did in pursuit of less clients at a higher Mm. model. And I think Mm -hmm. that's about knowing your personality and who you are. Like I think the, the high end works great, I think it can work great. I know it can work great. I've got mo- friends that are multi-multi-millionaires doing that model. Mm-hmm. But I've also found for me that going the, the lower price and a higher volume worked out better for me in this particular business model. So it's, it's not about this one will work better than that. It's about going back to what we talked about, running your own race, trying all these different things and keeping in mind that you're going to do your own journey of what's you've got your own background, your own history, that even if you model what someone else has done, that's all you're ever going to be able to do, model it. You're never going to be able to do it the same way they did because you are not them.
0: Mm, totally. So you won't get
1: the same result as them.
0: Absolutely. And running your own race is so important because, as, as you say, that again, that self-sabotage comes back in or that frustration if something doesn't work when you're like, but but it works for that person over there. Why is it not working for me? But it's just mm. not right for you and I think it's so important to not get caught into, this is what everyone's doing. This is what we need to do. And it's something that I say to my clients all the time. I say, I've got a saying that says, I, I say no to cookie cutter. Like I do mm. not believe in cookie cutter systems. There are frameworks that work, sure. But what you need to create has to be so unique to you that you don't self-sabotage or you don't come against the your own patterns that aren't going to be able to get you through
1: i think i think there's a balance i think there's the there's the self-sabotage patterns and just and so there's the part of going okay no self-awareness know your Mm strengths know Mm -hmm. who you are know what you're going to do what you're not going to do like i know for me i wasn't prepared to get on the phone and sell people that just wasn't Mm -hmm. part of my thing Mm -hmm. it's only now what six years later that we're actually actively starting to build a phone team you know why? Because I'm not going to be the one getting on the phone doing the sales, yeah. right? But I knew that in my business model, I made a business model work because I didn't want to speak to people. Uh-huh. And there's having that self-awareness. And then there's also knowing at times when it's worth going, is this just a mental block? Is this just a story that needs to be reframed, uh-huh. rewired uh-huh. to be able to uh-huh. do this? And only I think only you, the listener, are going to know what's truly true for you. Like whether you're using it as an excuse or whether you're going, you know what? No, I I can still make this work just in my my fashion. But the reason I think of that is I think of people who go and sign up to a course that's going to help them achieve their goals or something, and the 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 expert that they've signed up with is all about you know cold call or you know Mm -hmm, phone sales. mm -hmm. And if you're the kind of introverted person that doesn't want to do phone sales, you potentially, unless you learn to overcome whatever thought process you've got around phone sales that course is going to end up being a frustrating scenario for you. You're not going to get the result. It's not mm. because the system didn't work. It's because it wasn't the right system based on where you're at right now and what you're prepared to do.
0: Totally, totally. Where I wanted to go with, you know, running your own race and, you know, really understanding what it is that fuels you is because for you, freedom was such a a big thing. Um, and mm. it has been ever since I've known you, but also making sure that you've got the financial security. I know that that's also really important to you. How did you get to a point or I guess, when was the the time that in your business, you just went, Oh my God, I've finally done it. I've got this freedom thing because, and I really, really want to deep dive here because you have a true freedom business. You don't need to be there at all. And I very much admire that about you because I haven't been able to do that for 10 years. I was at that point 10 years ago, but I'm not now. Um, how, how did you get there? And when was that point that you just went, oh my goodness, I've done it?
1: Mm. So there's there's two kind of points that come to mind. Oh, so I'll cut, start with the points side of it first. The, the first point was a, a realization of financial freedom. So I realized that I had financial freedom, meaning that I had more passive income coming in than I did in expenses for a personal point of view. Um, I think it was around 32. So around two two years ago, 31, 32, it was around around then. And that that was a big shift for me all of a sudden to be like, oh, the other thing too, was that passive income is actually delinked from my company automation agency. So even if I shut down automation agency, that income is still there. This is mm. not... When I'm talking about passive income, I'm not talking about what I would call leveraged income, which is profits from my my own business. That's a leveraged source of income. This is passive income that's coming from various sources, shares, commissions, all these different investment vehicles. And so when that happened, that shifted a lot of things because it meant when I looked at automation, it meant I was like, huh, I actually do not need this business to be okay financially. And that shifted a lot. In some ways... I would say it held back the business for a while because Mm -hmm. it put me in a position of going, well, I don't need to grow this thing. What's the reason to grow it, bring on more clients, make more money? Like what's that going to ultimately do for me? And Mm -hmm. I spent the last few years and you'd know this, but I've spent the last few years trying to find meaning and purpose again Mm -hmm. because I'd been in business from a young age because I'd linked the idea of business and wealth and success and financial freedom with the purpose of business, and so mm. when I when I realized I no longer needed to be making the money, it was like, okay, why do I keep growing this business? And it was great; I was able to empower the team and say, guys, like, we have an opportunity now to employ more people. We have an opportunity to provide for more clients, and ultimately, be a bit more of a rising tide. But I want you to know that I don't need to drive growth in this business anymore. From a personal point of view, it's it's something more that we can look at from a contribution standpoint. So there, there was mm. that that had a big mm-hmm. shift in how automation agency started to unfold. And as I said, I think it held it back for a long, a long time. But the the point when I realized truly, I truly embodied that automation agency was at a point where I didn't have to show up. I was already there at that point around 32. I did what most people do if you get to what I call the leader stage in business. And the leader stage is when you first kind of become a true owner of your business. You're like in that CEO role. What happens is when you're no longer needed and you've been needed for so long, you start to break things, mm-hmm. change things, improve <laughs> things that don't necessarily need to be changed and improved. You're doing it purely to feel like you're adding value. Mm. And so I was doing that. I was playing around. I was changing things with that online portal. I was basically spending money that didn't need to be spent. So that's kind of what was happening. And then last year, I had a relationship, a six and a half year relationship come to an end. Uh, and it was when that came to an end, I just kind of I was a bit shell shocked by it, and uh, I just basically reached out to my team and said, "Hey guys, I, I just I need some time. I got to figure out some stuff. I'm not going to be around. I trust you. I know it's going to be fine. Like, if you really need me, you've got ways to reach me. But if you reach out to me, I want you to assume that you're not going to hear back from me. So, um, please don't leave anything." Waiting for me to get back to you. Just get on, get on with whatever you need to do. And uh, I thought it was only going to be like a month and a half that I disappeared for, and uh, it ended up total being about six and a half to seven months uh, that I stepped away from the business. Aside from a few updates from from my ops manager, that was when I truly was like, oh my god, I actually, I'm I'm not just saying I have a business that can work without me. I I, I know, and mm-hmm. and and it really hit home. Maybe a few months back, I spoke at an event kind of pre-COVID. I hmm. spoke at an event with a bunch of business owners and I just said, how many, of you, how many of you could take a week out of your business? Hands go up. It's like, how many of you could take a month out of your business? A lot of hands go down. How many of you could take two months out of your business? How many of you could take three months out of your business? And so there was only really one hand that was kind of doing a half up, half <laughs> the down. Half dance. They're yeah. like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> And I was just like, this isn't a room of people that I knew were really switched mm-hmm. on, smart marketers, been in business for years, not new to business. And I was just, I, I, I don't know what took over me, but I was like, guys, like, I'm sure most of you start a business to have freedom. Like, what are you doing? You, why have you not got your business to a point that you could take that time out of your business? So though, that was truly when I was like, I've done it, I've got it, we're here. And that was, yeah, that was a pretty profound moment actually to just go, mm. oh, mm. And, and, and like, I want to stress something here. This sounds incredible. It sounds amazing. I want to make it clear that there were problems. There were clients that weren't happy. Things broke, you know, like it, it was not, it was not like I stepped away for six and a half, seven months and it, you know, ran smoothly without a hiccup. But guess what? Even when I'm around, that stuff happens it too. Still happens, Clients right? aren't happy. <laughs> things are broken. So that was the cool thing that even though I wasn't there, there were team members who were doing what I would have normally done. They were mm. looking into the problems. They were planning on what we could change. And when you get to the team size that I have, you can't just have a new idea and implement it tomorrow. Unfortunately, mm. when you're a team of like three or four people, you can kind of do implementation at the speed of thought. When you're a team of forty and more, uh, it's no longer idea to implementation. There's things that have to be rolled out. Things take time to solve. So I was really pleased, like things went wrong, but there were, there were mechanisms and people in place to, to manage it. So I just want to stress that because I know sometimes people can hear this and just think, oh my God, it's the dream. Mm, and it is, mm-hmm, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I want you to know the reality is things will be broken. Clients won't be happy. And then especially if the client finds out that you've taken six months off the business, they can be even more unhappy. Yeah, yeah. Um, I experienced that. So yeah, that's kind of the reality of it.
0: I'm glad that you brought that up because this is a conversation that I've been having with my husband, Leon, just the last couple of weeks, seeing he's come into the business. And you and I have been in business for such a long time. You know, stuff goes wrong all the time. Over time, you do get a thick skin where you're like, okay, that went wrong. And you just go into logical fix it mode. What needs to be done? Who needs to be pulled in? Who needs to pick up the phone? Who needs to email and apologize? Whatever it is, you just go into fix it mode. And there was a few times where he's just like, oh my goodness, this thing went wrong and my world's falling apart. I'm just like it's business. Take a breath, pick yourself up, move on, deal with it. It's, you know, it doesn't just, I think that he was in the the, the headspace of this just happens to me because I'm not mm. good enough. And I, I know that, you know, right back when I started business, I was the same. It's like, oh, I'm not good enough. I've stuffed up. These things happen, but you're right. Things go wrong all the time. And it's not, well, a, we can't create the systems to fix these things if they don't break in the first place, because we don't get the feedback that we need. But B, you just have to go into logical mode and fix it. And it happens to everyone.
1: And I would say it doesn't actually, at least in my experience, go away. Um, I'm thinking even yesterday.
0: I was a bit worried that you were going to tell me it did, because I was about to say, oh, really?
1: (laughs) So even, even, wait, was it yesterday? Maybe it was this morning. I can't remember. But I was having a text message conversation with a friend of mine and I was just like, I just said, hey man, like how do you do your quality assurance stuff? Because we're having some issues with this, this and this about quality. You know, we're really trying to get, we've, we've done all these things and I think we've overcomplicated. I just want to know how you're doing your stuff.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And he just comes back and he's like, oh my God, we're having so many escalations right now. We've got this problem, this problem. We've just had to put this person in. And I, I went back to him, I said, oh, that makes me feel so much better. I'm like, it sucks for our clients, his and mm-hmm. mine. But I was like, it sucks that obviously there's a quality challenge we're trying to solve right now. I was like, there's comfort in knowing that it's not just me that hasn't figured it out you know that there's there's still other people out there struggling with this and and you go through waves at least i, I know we have with automations and you've been a client you would know this we go through waves where everything's amazing quality mm-hmm. speed everything's great and then we go through waves where it's like oh that's not as great and then we figure out what the problem is and we fix that and then everything's great again and then you know something changes we've added 10 new people or new platforms come out or the market has shifted i mean that's one of the things that automation agency struggles with like the online marketing world's changing. And so the client mm. demands, the types of clients and what they're expecting shifts and changes over time, which then takes something that was working and delivering great value all of a sudden now for a big cohort of clients, like it frustrates them. And so then you're looking at improving things and the thing you roll out to improve their experience breaks someone else's experience. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. It's, it, I don't think it ever ends. And I think that's, that's part of why I think people enjoy entrepreneurship though is... People like me, at least, and I think you, Sam, as well, like we're problem solving wide. Like we find yep. joy in solving problems. And that's what business is it's constant problem solving, really.
0: It's like the constant thrill of the chase, isn't it?
1: Yeah, until it gets exhausting. And that's when, that, and that's what I think that's a good key to come back to the, mm. the, the value of building a business that can work without you. Because some people go, Oh, but I love my business. I, I like solving problems. I don't want to mm-hmm. leave it. Mm-hmm. But what if you had the choice of, okay, I've solved problems for these six months. I'm taking a break for six months now. I'm going to let my mind and body rest and then I'll come back fresh to solve problems again because that's essentially what's happened to me. The last few weeks, I've been far more involved in automation agency than I have been in probably over 12 months, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: but that's because I had such a big break to be able to be more refreshed, in a different state of mind, I come at it from a completely new perspective and a, a different vision of where I'm trying to take things uh, that's no longer self-focused, more on you know, contribution and, and impact focus. So mm. uh, that's the power of being able to build a business that, that doesn't require you, because then you can do the bit for fun, but you can do the breaks without everything breaking.
0: Yeah. I love it. Just to touch on what you said was the vision because you can't make things happen overnight. So you do need to constantly be understanding that I need to know where I'm heading and we can only do so much at a time to move forward, but you do need to know what it is that you're wanting to, to achieve so that you can make the decisions to get there along the way. And Mm. to understand that things don't happen overnight, you, you have built this amazing business and a very, Short amount of time compared to what other people do to give you the freedom, but it still didn't happen overnight.
1: And and that's, I think that's important, right? Like, I'm, I think this is be, this year will be my 19th or 20th year in business. And that's, you know, like there are other people who are starting. I just had the the, the fortune, if you like, or of timing of starting business at, at the age of 15 at an early age. I remember, I remember years ago, a mentor said to me, I can teach you to get rich quick. As long as your definition of quick is 10 years.
2: Because <laughs> it's like it'll take you
1: nine and a half years of learning and then six months to implement everything you've learned. And, and mm-hmm. that's kind of effectively how automation NC worked for me. It wasn't, it was more than 10 years. But when automation NC really finally like nailed it, it was fast at how quickly mm-hmm. things changed. And that was after over a decade of trying things, not doing so well, not paying myself. Um, hiring people that, you know, didn't work out, uh, trying to figure out how to manage people, trying to figure out how to create systems, trying to figure out marketing, trying to figure out product market fit, uh, figuring out my branding, working through thought processes. Because I think at the end of the day, most of what business is, the actual act of business is not that complicated. It's really more about what's going on up in your head. Mm -hmm. All All the stories you've got about yourself, you've got about clients, you've got about team, you've got about products, about the market, all of that's playing out. And it's those things that need to either be unlearned as well as new things learned that. And that's what takes the time. And Mm. I want to touch on something. You mentioned like the idea of vision. I think there's one person that exemplifies the idea of vision and that's Elon Musk. I'm a big fan Mm -hmm. of Elon Musk. Mm -hmm. Like whatever you may think of him, he's, he can be a bit eccentric, but he is a man with vision Mm -hmm. and he doesn't let things set back everything. And I don't know how well, you know, Elon Musk, But everything is about getting humans to be a multi-planetary species, getting humans living on Mars. He has a company called Tesla, right, with their um, electric cars that was all basically designed to, one, try and reduce fossil fuel usage and speed up. He didn't want it to be a profitable company. He didn't care if it was profitable. He just wanted to speed up the transition to electric vehicles, which he achieved. And then it was like to improve battery technology because he needed – And then it was implement electric cars that were driverless. Why does he want to improve driverless cars? Because the first vehicles that will land on Mars won't have humans. They need to be driverless vehicles that can be moving around Mars to deliver goods, leave things. So he needed to have really good driverless technology. And he's just found a way to get the market on on the earth to pay for the development of the the tools (laughs) he needs for his bigger vision, which is to put humans on Mars. He's then got SpaceX. SpaceX is now doing private flights for um, companies and NASA in, on planet Earth, getting people up to the ISS. He needed to create a way to make it more affordable. So he was able to create um, rocket boosters that can be salvaged previously when people were being sent off into space. It was all just being you know, millions and millions of dollars just thrown away. Uh, He was able to recover, which has brought down the cost of spaceflight. And now he's working on his new BFG uh, rocket, which is designed to um, take 100 people up into Mars, the moon, into space, because that's ultimately going to get people to Mars. But he's now trying to build a floating platform spacecraft to take off because ultimately that's what he's going to need on the moon and mars and so it's like let's have these floating platforms on earth to 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 do it so he can alter like every little piece he's Mm. doing and he he bought solar city which was to improve solar panels why solar panels because on mars we're going to need power what does mars have a lot of sun so everything he does all fits to his grand scheme but if you look at what he's doing you wouldn't know that unless Mm. you actually understood what his grand vision is and he just Little steps, little steps at a time, but it's all leading to what his grand vision is, and that I find that extremely inspiring.
0: Absolutely, the the level of that is just next level, <laughs> and and then some. It's incredible, incredible. So you've been on a massive journey the last twelve or so months, as you mm. did touch on very very quickly, and I have been on a little bit of that journey with you. And seen the different way, I guess, that you've started to, I was going to say to think, but I don't think that that's the right thing to say because you've always been a big thinker. But you've certainly changed direction a little bit and and really, really delved into your personal development at a new level. I know right back from when you went to date with Destiny, you came back. I was like, wow, who is this person that's come back? You you were just incredible. Um, tell us a little bit about how that personal development journey has changed your life and your business.
1: That's a really, <laughs> really big subject. Mm-hmm. So my personal development journey probably started around 17, well, 15 when I started my business, but 17 was the first book I can remember buying. It was how to turn uh, uh, a dollar into a million dollars in seven years or less. That's what the book was called. Mm-hmm. It really ramped up at the age of 20 when the business coach called me and I started to learn. You could learn from other people, books, seminars, uh, changed the way I thought about a lot of things. And so I think it's an ongoing, I think it's that's life. We're always mm-hmm. going through an ongoing personal growth journey. We're learning new things. We're unlearning old ways of thinking. The last twelve months have been a huge shift for me on a few few levels. So, firstly, for a few years since my financial freedom moment, I had lost that purpose. I was a little lost. I was back a bit like selling the IT business. I hadn't sold the business, but I was kind of I was lost in what is the what is the purpose of like why am I doing what I'm doing? You know, what's another hundred grand going to do? Not much. Like, yeah, it's nice, it's cool, but I was surrounded by people that were like wanting to make millions of dollars, and I was just like, what's the point? And the big shift that had occurred for me at Date With Destiny um, was realizing to me how selfish my thought process had been. That had what got me to where I was had been focused on me, financial freedom, getting myself to be feeling secure. And there's nothing wrong with that. Please, if anyone's in that boat, please don't think that I think it got me to where I am. I, I'm mm-hmm, super grateful mm-hmm, for it. Mm-hmm. What happened is I got to a point where I, was, I felt like I was looked after which had meant that now I, I'd lost purpose, reason. And what what struck me was a realization that all of my thought process about what's the point of growing was actually a selfish. I was focusing on me. I was going, I'm good. I'm fine. I've got what I need. And I came out of date with Destiny seeing that on multiple levels. I was seeing how I was being selfish in my relationship. I was seeing how I was being selfish Uh, In business, I was seeing. That was my biggest takeaway from that whole event. Was just like a smack in the face, going, "Carl, you've been thinking in such a selfish way. Of I'm good. I'm good. What's the world? What's everything doing for me?" I also had a further reminder that myself, as with a large portion of the world today, can get so caught up in significance, can get so caught up on. I posted that thing on Facebook. Did I get lots of likes? Mm. What do people think about me? Does this make me look successful or am I actually successful? You know, these, these were things that are, that particular one of significance, I'd been fighting with that for probably a decade, uh, working through that one. And so Date With Destiny was a big shifting moment because of that realization. And then those shifts that you've maybe seen in my thinking, as you kind of said, mm. I think have come from that, that big realization to go, ah, life is not about me. Life is about to use a, you know, maybe worn out saying we, right. -hmm. It's not about me. It's about we and and going, if I stop thinking about me and I start realizing that we're all in this together, we're all connected. How, how can I contribute? If I come from a place of love, love for myself, love for other people without the judgment, it's just giving, it's just contributing. And then it's about going, well, how can I contribute? Well, if we grow automation agency, we're hiring more people, which puts more food on more um, households. But also a large portion of our workforce is in the Philippines. And so when you p- employ someone or pay for someone in the Philippines, what the money that goes there, you're not just paying for that individual. They're usually paying for an entire household. Mm. They're often paying for their brothers and sisters mm-hmm. to go to university. Like you're contributing massively um, when when you employ someone uh, in, 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 say, the Philippines. And so there's a realization of going, we want to improve more lives over there. How do we touch more people? Well, to do that, we need more clients. So we've, we need more team. Like There's a flow-on effect. Mm. And then going, that's just looking at internally the team side of thing. Well, what about our clients? The, the, most of the clients that we work with are themselves coaches, consultants, small business owners who are starting to grow their teams. And we're one of the people who can come in and fill a lot of a gap of the initial team that they need. But then they've got clients and then they're, they're working people. So the ripple effect of helping them grow their business and get things done helps them mm. improve their life. And if, if you as an individual in your own business start making more money, that means you start spending more money, which means that you're then going to go down to the markets or the store and go to the cafe and you're going to pay some money, which helps put food and keep someone else employed. And the, the continual ripple effects. And when that really started to sink into my head, the power of us growing the business, us helping other people grow their business, and how, when done right, and I, you know, I don't know, obviously some listeners are going to have their own thoughts about capitalism. Uh, I have my own thoughts around it too. But ultimately, the theory, the paperwork of how capitalism should work is actually quite elegant. Now, human greed and various things can come into play which can make it not play out quite the way it was designed on paper.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But if it does play out on paper, it has true power in how it creates that ripple effect that ultimately is the rising tide that lifts all boats. And that's a, mm-hmm. that's a thought process that I'm very passionate about. So so that shift has come in how I think about money and how I think about contribution. The other big shift in the last 12 months for me has been on realizing a separation between who I am and the thoughts that I have. Mm-hmm. And this might get a little woo-woo for some people, but that is that's effectively what kind of my new book, Becoming Bulletproof, is all about. It's about the stories we tell ourselves. And that's exactly what life is. Life is stories. It's all Mm -hmm. stories. Everything that you believe about life is a story. Everything you believe about yourself is a story. You've got two kind of key stories that you continually tell. You've got um, identity stories. I am this way. I am introverted. I am funny, I am successful, I am useless, I am depressed, I am whatever. You've got constant stories that you tell yourself about who you are.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: No one's telling you that. Only you are telling yourself that. Someone might suggest that you're a certain way, but only if you buy into that and start telling yourself, yes, they're right, do you actually take that on as as an identity story. Totally. And then the other type of story you've got are incident stories. This thing happened to me, right? This event occurred in my life. So you've got an incident story that ultimately then turns into fuel for an identity story. It either creates a new identity story or it adds fuel to the fire of an existing identity story based on how you choose to tell the story of what happened to you in that event. And so when you can start to realize that the mind is, uh, that's crazy basically. Like the mind is constantly... I don't know I don't know about you, but I know in my experience, the mind is constantly just coming up with ideas, thoughts all the time. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. you'll have a thought and that thought might be really positive, And then all of a sudden you can have the same thought, but in the complete negative, you can start having an argument. Have you ever had that like internal yeah, discussion with yourself? Right, in
0: your own head, <laughs> all on your own.
1: Who's having that conversation? Is it you yeah. or is it just the mind is just looking to be right? It doesn't care which side it ends on. It just wants to be right. Mm. And so... Which one of those arguments of the side when you're having an argument with yourself wins it's whichever one you ultimately choose to to buy into mm. and when I had that real distinct realization and it had been, been probably years of thought processes that had been bubbling away, but the 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 breakup in particular really made me lean on the personal development that I'd been going through when the breakup mm. happened i I really struggled for, a, for especially in the first Probably month or so. I mean, you you mm. and I caught up a lot around that time. I was really struggling, and I was suffering because of the thoughts that I was buying into in my head. I was mm-hmm. buying into the thoughts that this shouldn't happen. This is wrong. Uh, I've been wronged. All these different things were going through my mind. I was buying into this idea that this things are not the way they should be. And when I started to realize that you can go, okay, that's just a thought. That's all it is. Mm. And actually. Maybe life is unfolding exactly the way it should. In mm. fact, what if I told myself the story that life is happening for me, not to me? What if, what if this moment, even though it may feel painful, is actually one of the best things that will ever happen to me, and I just don't know it yet? And it ultimately turned out that way. I'm now with an incredible mm. woman that I would never have met had we not had all the events, effectively mm-hmm. how last year went. I would not know. have met her and wouldn't have even been ready to have the kind of relationship that we have had not everything played out exactly as it did. But when you're stuck in a moment in time and you feel like everything's going wrong, you don't know what dot that's going to connect to, right? We've all had moments where we we're in a moment and we can look back and go, wow, I'm here because this happened, this happened. You can see the dots. You look back and it's go, incredible, oh, at, isn't it? But when you're in a moment, you forget that I'm in a dot right now. Mm. You don't know where the dots headed, but you're in a dot, right? Like in this moment, this conversation this is a dot in your life. You just don't yet know where it's going to. And if you trust that the dots of the past got you to where you are, you can trust that the dot you're in right now is going to get you to wherever the future is and it's going to be, it's going to be great no matter what. And mm. whether you choose that's just a story you're telling yourself or whether you believe there's some sort of universal guidance, that's really on you. Either way, I believe the story works. And, and mm. that, that was one of the biggest shifts in the last 12 months was that realization I am not my thoughts and ultimately I am the storyteller and life can be anything I choose it to be based on the, the stories I tell myself. So, mm. yeah.
0: 100%, 100%. So, Carl, for people that have listened to this episode and just know how much value you've got to give, which is just an incredible amount of value. I love our conversations. How can they stay connected with you and also how can they get a copy of Becoming Bulletproof?
1: Great question. So, uh, you want to stay connected with me? The easiest place is just go to carltaylor.com. That's Carl with a C. Carltaylor.com um, mm-hmm. slash connect. Go to slash uh, connect. On that page, there's links to like books and various things. If you want to see, connect with me on socials, uh, all, all of that. The best ways to connect with me are there. If you just want to find the book, uh, the quickest way is jump on Amazon and search Becoming Bulletproof Carl Taylor. You'll find it there. It's on Kindle, paperback uh audible i'll keep you posted on when that might happen but it's definitely on the cards
0: awesome good to hear (laughs) thank you so much for riffing with me today for sharing so many stories for sharing your value and hopefully inspiring people to do whatever it is that they want to do whether it's create a million dollar business create a business of freedom whatever Whatever that is, because I think that that's your zone of genius is that you help people to, to create what it is that they want. So thank you so much. It's
1: been a pleasure and thank you for having me.
0: Ciao, ciao.